You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road in Hillsboro, North Carolina. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. Well, we are in the final week of the Tell Someone series, and uh, before I get going, because I'm going to have two disclaimers real quick. Number one is I'm really passionate about this message, so be prepared. Um, I'm just telling you, I tell our students to put your seatbelt on because it's better to get crazy, but um, I'm going to tell you the same thing this morning, is this is a really, I'm really passionate about this text You'll find out in the reason why in a second. But uh, before I do that, another disclaimer is last time the uh, picture of my son, John, did not come up, but I tested it twice this week to make sure it was going to work. So it should be there. So uh, Samuel, let's go ahead and put that first picture up there. Now that is, that is John wearing a football um, quilt thing. So this is Lee uh, holding John right there in our house. This is a family picture of our two dogs uh, with John, and you can see, yeah, there's that. And then here is, uh, yeah, that's John with his giraffe. And uh, let's see, should we, is there one more? No, that's it. Perfect. There it is. So there's John. Uh, so when you guys see him, uh, he is absolutely adorable. So, um, but I'm a little biased. So this morning, we are in the Tell Someone series. Week six is called Close the Deal. But I got to be honest with you, I renamed a sermon called Now What? Now What? And here's why. Because I think that, the, that we have done a great job as a congregation listening and, and, and hearing about the Tell Someone series by Greg Laurie. I think we've done a really good job. I think for me personally, I've enjoyed being in here. I've enjoyed sitting in here and, and hearing about evangelism and hearing that we as a church need to share the gospel. But now what? Final week, now what? A little backstory about me that you may not know, but my master's degree and my doctorate are both in evangelism. I love evangelism. I love sharing the gospel. I love building relationships. I love the opportunity that we get to to have as a church body, as a believer, to share the gospel message. Lee and I, last night, we were were driving, and we had to pull over into a Burger King because John was getting really hungry, and so we had to give him a bottle, not a Whopper, um, or a Whopper Junior. So, but so we had we pulled over, and and so because we were just we were out just on a drive, just kind of getting out of the house because I was hoping they would be here this morning, but uh, by doctor's orders, we're waiting until April because of the flu. So we're we were out just having to drive, and, and we pulled over, and and we just kind of Lee and I were just talking about evangelism and how it is for us as the church, not like the ch- Ebenezer, but like church as of, of Christianity in America, how it is hard in the the generation that that Lee and I live in. It's, it's a lot harder. You saw last week as Pastor Bob put those numbers up there, the, the nuns, the N O N E S. Those who have no religion, those who, who have no religious affiliation, those who claim no God. We're not talking about atheism or agnostics. We're talking about people who don't know the name of Jesus who live in America. 
and live within our world, how it's the largest generation or population of that is, is, is the millennials, which Lee and I are a part of. And we were talking about how this is so hard to share the gospel message sometimes because it, it's just it's a battle and a struggle because we, we grew up that it's relationship-based, right? We, I mean, I did not until I went to college did I ever knock on a door to share the gospel message. That's not something I've ever done before until I got to college, and one of my classes was door-to-door evangelism, and so I had to do door-to-door evangelism. That's not something we really do anymore. I mean, if we, and if it is, it's very little, maybe that we do, and that's just my observation that I see over the last eight to ten years that I've been studying evangelism. And so here we are this morning, and we're, we're sitting here wrapping up a series on evangelism. And I'm wondering, what are we going to do after this series? I, I know where, where Pastor Bob is preaching next. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what are we as individuals, what are we as a church, what are we as, as members of Ebenezer Baptist Church, what are we going to do next? Are, are we going to, to apply and take the, the, the challenge that's been before us to go and share the gospel, are we willing and are we able to go and do that? See, as I was thinking through this, I was trying to figure out how to put this final disclaimer on the sermon. And so I, this is the only thing I know to say, that this sermon is for everyone from ages newborn all the way up until their hundreds. This is not for the person sitting next to you. This is for you. This is for me. I'll tell you that we as staff have been talking about this, this series about tell someone about the gospel message. We talked about in staff meeting, we've talked about how we want to go out and we cannot have, challenge you to go share the gospel if we're not out sharing the gospel. And so I want you to know that we as staff, are, we're taking this serious because we want to share the gospel. This past week I sat in Starbucks and did my office hours, some of my office hours there because I just wanted to interact with some people. And I met, I actually had someone walk in who I've, I've seen before, but I've never had a conversation with. Walk, come over, sit down at a table, and get up and said, I'm sorry, I can't know. Walked over and sat next in a leather chair next to me and said, I just, I feel like I'm supposed to be over here talking to you today. That's a God moment. We had an opportunity just to, for me to talk to him and, and hear about his job and hear about what God's doing in his life. Now, he's a believer, and he's part of a local church, but I had the opportunity to actually have a conversation to hear about what God is doing in his life. See, th- those moments are there if we pause and allow ourselves to see our surroundings and allow for those moments to happen, for those, those gospel moments. So this is week six, and that's just my intro. And I told you I was passionate. So we're in a text that is very, 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 very familiar. And I want to challenge you and encourage you that, that, that even though this text is very familiar to you, possibly, and you maybe heard sermons on this all the time around missions and evangelism, I want to ask you to please push away, push away all presuppositions 
Everything that you know about this text, everything that you could kind of come back and quote at me while I'm preaching, just kind of for a moment, just for just a few moments, let's push that aside and let's hear this text as if we're hearing it for the first time. Because I, I've had to do this. I mean, I, I preach this text many times and I've, had, I'm, I've, I'm, my, I've challenged myself to, to pause and to, to literally hear this text for the first time. We're in Matthew 28. We're in verses 18 to 20. This is known as the Great Commission. As the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Now, some backstory here is that Jesus has resurrected. Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already conquered our death on the cross. He's resurrected. The guards have realized that he's already, that he's no longer there. And now Jesus has, the, the whole after-resurrection thing has happened, right? The, the road to Emmaus, all that, everything's been done. Now Jesus is, is this final moment. He's with his disciples, and he's telling his disciples his final charge, his final command to them. So here it is. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that you will move in this place. I pray that you will speak into our lives. I pray you'll open up our hearts, our minds, and our souls to hear this word and that you'll speak to each individual in here this morning. I pray right now that you'll just continue to speak into my life this text. Continue to charge us to live on mission for you. We pray over this, this message. I pray that it is you, God, that's glorified and directs our conversation and our thoughts this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. Point number one. These points, my goal is, to, is just to kind of use this text and let it come alive. Point number one is go and make. Go and make. Very simple. Go and make. Now, I, I mean, let's look at this text, right? So we look at this text, we realize that, that Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And so he says, go and make. Go and make what? Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. So we realize here that, that we are to make new disciples, we're called to make disciples. Very important to realize that, that that is our responsibility as an individual, as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ. Our job and our responsibility is to make new believers. But not stop there. Make disciples. Make disciples. David Ocean says this, discipleship is personal. Jesus got up close and personal with his disciples and reproduced his life into their, into their lives. Jesus commissions, in this text, Jesus is commissioning and sending out his disciples. Let's back up for just a moment. The, the, the speaker of this text is Jesus. 
And he's speaking to, to his disciples, and he's already conquered death. He's already conquered the cross. He's already conquered our sins so that we may have eternal life. He's already done it. But he's speaking to his disciples here. And when he speaks to his disciples, I have to back up to Matthew 4. If you look at Matthew 4, 18 to 20, really verse 19 is where I'm keying in right now. Jesus is, is beginning his ministry. He's just come out of, of 40 days of, of the steps and has already been tempted by Satan. And he's conquered that. He's won that battle. He comes out. He's walking by the Sea of Galilee. And as he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, he begins to call his first disciples. I love this. He, they're over there. They're fishing. They're over there fishing. They're doing their, their trade, their, their work. And Jesus says, Jesus tells to them, hey, drop everything and follow me because I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now remember, what they did for a living is they were fishermen. They were fishing for fish. And Jesus says to them, hey, drop everything. Drop your work. Drop everything because I'm going to make you fishers of men. And it says that, that they instantly, immediately dropped everything and followed him. Then it says he left from there and he went down by the seashore, kept going. And as he kept traveling, he saw two more brothers. And he said the same thing to them. Hey, drop everything and I'll make you fishers of men. And it says immediately or instantly they dropped everything to follow Jesus. We know because we, we read, we've read the Bible, or, or at least heard the Bible before, that we know that, that Jesus spent three years with his disciples before he, the cross, before the resurrection. Spent three years. Because he spent three years with them, he was able to then disciple them. He invested in them. He got up and personal with them. When he had no place to lay his head, they had no place to lay their head. When they were traveling, when they were when they're hungry and thirsty, they did everything together. They did life on life together. And so we get to this passage of scripture, and his disciples already, they know him. And Jesus knows them because they've done the ministry together. And so we look at we look at Matthew 4. Um, yeah, Matthew 4, in light of Matthew 28, we realize that, that Matthew 28, Jesus says, Hey, guess what? You've done three years with me. We did life together. I am your rabbi, I am your teacher. And now I am commissioning you and sending you out to be fishers of what? Men. Now it's your turn to go and make disciples. The same way I made you my disciple, the same way we did three years together, go out and make disciples. Go and make disciples. So Jesus is commissioning. He's sending them out. I wrote this in my notes. We are not called to go and save. We are called to go and make. I love the word go. I'm probably going to butcher the Greek here, but it's paramai. And it says this, 
on your way going or as you're journeying, as you're doing your daily life, and as you travel from one place to another, that is the word go. That's what it's talking about. So as you sit in line at Starbucks or as you sit in Chick-fil-A, I'm just naming places I go on a regular basis, as you're doing that, be making disciples. As you're going from one place to another, as you are traveling, make disciples. That's the key, is go and make as you are journeying, as you are doing life. We are in the process of making disciples everywhere we go. The going reflects the sent nature of a disciple. Go. Go do life with people. Go and make disciples. We're not to go alone, but believers are sent under the authority of Jesus and the power of Jesus. I love that. When Jesus sends out his disciples, he does not say, go out and to evangelize. Hey, go out and save. He says, go out and disciple. Go out and disciple them. Go out and disciple. The Great Commission begins with Jesus and ends with Jesus. It has nothing at all to do with man's effort. It has everything to do with Jesus. So the mission begins and ends with Jesus. Our job as believers is to produce disciples and followers of Christ through helping people understand their faith and repentance. Our job as believers does not end after someone makes a profession of faith. Our job does not end there. That's just the beginning of it. After the profession of faith that someone makes, the now what part is that we then disciple them or we allow, we bring someone alongside of them to disciple them. Who's going to do life on life with them? Who's going to do life and walk through life with them and help them to know Jesus, to help them to understand their faith? We are to help people through the process of their salvation and then through the process of sanctification. That's our responsibility. I have... I have an illustration or a story for you. I love Quito, Ecuador. I love our mission field that, that we as a church have in Quito, Ecuador. Our team last year, we saw 80 salvations, 79 to 80 salvations last year. And I can tell you that when we were in the Carolina Park, and we saw people give their lives to Christ. I mean, it's just, it's insane because you don't leave a basketball court. People come to you because God has already set us up there and, and people are coming in and we're just sharing the gospel with them. But I'll tell you this, that in the four years that we've been investing in Quito, Ecuador, that when we leave there and we see salvations, we leave there with their, them already connected to a local church. We don't leave there wondering, hey, I, I hope so one day someone disciples them. No, we leave there with a, with a church. They're connected to a church who's going to follow up and disciple them. 
There's this church there called Verbo, and that is a church in which we're going back again this year to invest and help them. They are our true Ecuadorians, born and raised in Quito, and we have trained them up to go and to evangelize to their own people. And then not only to evangelize, but we've actually trained them to disciple them, and so they invite them to come to their church, to invite them to go out to eat, to, to invite them to coffee, to actually invest in them and help them to grow and to become believers. And, and to be strong believers in Christ. We're to go and make. The second point is baptize. So point number one is go and make, but point number two is baptize. Now I think it's very important that we look at the word baptize and, and realize what Jesus is telling his disciples. We must baptize new believers. We must baptize new believers. Baptism is part of discipleship. Baptism is part of discipleship. Here's why. Because, because when, when, we, when we allow, when God allows us to lead someone to Christ, and we begin to do life with them, we begin to explain to them the importance of baptism. That that's the next step as a believer, that is the next step for them, is to go through the waters. And to be, and because not that the water does not save. The, the, the symbolism of the baptism is this, is that your old life, the, the life of a sinner, a, a life destined for hell, dies and that new life, the new life that's in Christ, that, that you are as a believer, is risen up. And now, you are born again. In, and it's a symbol of you're born again in Christ. So the water does not save. It's a symbolism of your old, love, your old self dying and your new self risen in Christ. So we must help. New believers and even longtime believers understand the importance of baptism. We must integrate new believers into the local church. We cannot stop at the profession of faith. We must follow up after that. We must disciple them. We must go alongside of them and see that, the, that we are to go, yes, and make disciples. We're also to go and to baptize. See, all believers must go through the waters of baptism. Why? Because Jesus went through the water, and we are to follow after him. We are to walk in obedience. And baptism is an act of obedience. I wrote down, what is the primary purpose of the church? What is the primary purpose of the church? And this is where I found. Luke 19.10 says this. We are to seek to save the lost. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 is the Great Commission. But we must, I've read, this is Bob Russell said this. And this is, it's just, it's a, here's what he says. I, I can't say any better. We do not get sidetracked from the main purpose of the church. It is easy to join causes, but do not allow them to become the main or the primary purpose of the church. We're not called primarily to stop sin in the world. Our goal is to preach the gospel and salvation. That is the primary purpose of the church. 
So it is easy to join causes, but do not allow them to become the main or the primary purpose of the church. We must be making disciples. We must be baptizing believers. I have a few stories here also. I lived in Richmond, Virginia before I came here. And when I lived in Richmond, uh, we saw... We saw 26 salvations in our student ministry within six months. And oh, the, the, near the last one, the 25th, 26th, was this, this kid named Zach. I'm just going to share his story with you for just a moment. Zach comes from an atheist family, a family that, that is straight-up atheist, um, have hatred for the local church. Uh, they met some Baptist Believers along the way especially hate them because they talk about Jesus and sin too much. Uh, but Zach, I met in Chick-fil-A one day with one of our, one of our students. And so, and I started this thing where I said, hey, just invite your friends to come and we can Invite non-believers is really what I'm looking for here. And I want you to invite them, and I want you to allow them to come and ask tough questions. We're not in a church building. We're not in a place of, of judgment. We're in a place of we really just want the student to come and to ask tough questions. Ask, how is God real? Is there really a God? Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Those kind of questions we want students to ask. So Zach comes, and he asks some tough questions. And um, being that our students and um, and I answered fairly well. He decided he's going to start. He's going to visit our student ministry that Wednesday. He comes for six months, and we're we're preaching the gospel. I mean, we're really preaching the gospel. Well, one night we're in a Burger King, and our student ministry we had. Um, we had some like connect groups, it was small groups, so we had them in the church in different, in different rooms, and then our student ministry would come together for a, a final worship, and then we would leave for the night. And so we went to Burger King. We'd always go to McDonald's or Burger King or something like that to just kind of recap and unwind. And not everyone went, but the majority went. This night, everyone came. I mean, everyone came. So it was 50, 60 kids, teenagers, in a Burger King. And one of our students says, hey, do you mind if I bring my guitar in? I said, no, I'd love for you to bring a guitar in the Burger King. Like, who doesn't bring a guitar in the Burger King, right? <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I was like, yeah, why not? It's, that's not weird. And so they brought it in. And out of nowhere, our students bursted out in worship in the middle of Burger King. I mean, like, legit, like, Holy Spirit come, oceans, like, all this is happening in a Burger King. And I'm sitting there like, all right, well, this is cool. Like, so I started doing what every good youth pastor does. They start videotaping it. Like, this is cool. Like, look at our students doing this, right? And so parents are in there now watching this, and Zach comes over to me and goes, I don't know how to explain this to you, but God just, God just spoke to me. And I said, okay, well, what did, he say? what did he say to you? And he goes, then I'm destined for hell. Can we go outside and can you lead me to Jesus right now? I said, okay, yeah, we can, we can totally do that. And so we did that, and let's just share the gospel with him. He's heard it, but we just went through it, and I said, asking questions along the way, and he's just crying. He goes, I, I just, 
can you stop? I just want it right now. I just need to accept Jesus. And so that happened. And then he goes, I need to get baptized. Like, that's what the Bible says. So I'm ready to get baptized. So we, that Sunday, we opened up the waters and we baptized him. But this story actually exists in Ebenezer Baptist Church also. Little different. But we have a student that went with us to, went to Metamorphosis last year, but also went with us to Crossroads Summer Camp. His name is Connor. And Connor's here this morning. And, and so I, I got permission to share this story, but we were at Crossroads Summer Camp. And Connor, second night there, I believe it was. Yeah, it was. Um, gives his life to Christ. Well, what's next? Like, now what? And so we were, Coach Schreiner, Tim, um, Sam Rosinski and me and all our other students were talking, and we talked about baptism. Well, baptism next step. And he goes, okay, let's do it now. <laughs> Not ready. Like, we're at camp. Okay, so I went to Clayton King. I said, Clayton, I, I have a student who gives life to Christ, and right now he's ready to be baptized. And so that Thursday, they open up the pool for us, and so we were able to baptize Connor right then because he says, hey, this is the next step as a believer and, and, and let me just follow. Zach was followed up in discipleship, but Connor, you've also been followed up in discipleship. Sam Rosinski and some other adults have been pouring into him. This last week, Connor came to my office, and we actually talked through my sermon this morning. And we just kind of talked through what that looks like to go and make disciples. That's, that's, this is real life. We don't just talk about this. This is stuff that actually happens. So baptism is part of discipleship. This baptism is part of discipleship. And here's point number three. Teaching. Teaching. We must teach new believers. Jesus says in Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But guess what? They've had three years to learn. They had three years to, to master the teaching part of it. Let's look at this text again, because I think we need to. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So Jesus has power over heaven and earth, and it's all been given to him. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, baptizing them in the, name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. But verse 20, so important. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching to observe all that I have commanded you. Hey, you've been with me for three years. It's your turn to now reproduce the teaching and go out and teach others. Don't just lead them. Don't just baptize them, but teach them, disciple them, help them to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility so the now what part is that we are called, let me be clear, we are called to go and share the gospel. That is our mission. Whether we like it or not, that is our mission, not as Ebenezer Baptist Church, it's our mission as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to go and make disciples. The same way that his disciples were called to that, we are called to that. And Jesus is teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. I've taught you. Now go teach others. Curry, Pastor Curry, talked about boldness two weeks ago. And you wrote down people's names and, 
and you wrote down boldness and you left it at the altar. Now it's time to have that boldness, to go and to share the gospel. I was meeting with a student this past Wednesday night. I'm leaving his name out of the story. But with a student this past Wednesday night. And we were talking about evangelism, about sharing the gospel. And I said, don't, don't, (laughs) don't graduate from high school until you've shared the gospel with people there at your school. Don't do it. Don't let that happen because, yes, you think you'll see them again, but in reality, you probably won't see them again. And if you don't do it now, who will? Who will? So have the boldness to go and share the gospel. But I've been talking about disciple the whole time, and I want to define that for us now. What is the disciple? They went everywhere the rabbi went. They did life with their teacher. We are called to learn from Jesus, but also called to model our life after his life. We're called to make disciples because of our calling we must teach. Yes, we're called to, we're responsible for sharing the gospel, but we're also responsible for discipling also. This next one, I just, this next little subpoint I wrote. It's kind of personal to me, and here's what it says. We are not called to make fans of Jesus Christ. We're called to make disciples of Jesus Christ. You can get someone, anyone excited about anything. I was really excited last night when Virginia Tech beat Virginia. Mm. But you can get excited about anything. You get excited about a burger. You get excited about a win. You can get excited. You can be a fan of certain race team or car or team or brand. You can be a fan of them. But it's the next step when you have to put feet to the actions that you're called to do as a believer. Fans of Jesus say, yes, good, oh, yay. Way to go. We saw someone else give their life to Christ, yay. And they don't do, we don't do anything about it. Right, we allow them just to, we allow people to, to, to go through life and, and say, oh, yay, that was so good. But we don't do anything about it. We're called to make disciples, not fans. We don't want people sitting in the stands We want people on the court playing and doing the work. It's personal, I know. Probably should put a disclaimer on that because that hurt my feet too. I've sat on the staff of a church and I've sat in the the bleachers per se and said, yes, go get them, go get them. Good, 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 good. But I missed the point that it was about me getting out of the the, get out of the bleachers and down and serve the way God's called me to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. The church must make disciples. 
Our job is to take new believers and fellow believers under our wings and help them to, to be acclimated to their commitment to follow Christ. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to do this. You just need to be a friend to them. I would go one step further. All you need to be is one step ahead of someone in their spiritual journey to disciple them. One step ahead, that's it. You don't need to be a Bible scholar. You just need to be someone who is willing to invest in someone else and help them to grow in their Christian walk. We must help people grow spiritually. We must help shape disciples. We, as a student ministry, we did something for about three years. And um, this past year didn't work out. So we, and we switched it up a little bit. Um, but we did this thing called the Monday, Monday Morning Crew. And some of our students who were on it um, are, are here this morning. And some people who gave their lives to Christ is because of the Monday Morning Crew. But it was... It started off with two uh, teenagers and me meeting at Chick-fil-A on Monday mornings at 7 a.m. And then it grew to about probably four to six guys. And then we started challenging them. We, I mean, we, and we were discipling. It was discipleship. We were just challenging them. So we challenged the first two. <laughs> it's personal. We challenged the first two. It's really cool when you look up and you see their parents here, too, and just brings makes me emotional. All right, so we challenged the first two. We, were, we're going, we, we just talked about the belief and, and what it is for believers, what we're called to do. And we just went through the Bible. We just opened up the Bible. That was it. That was our tool. And we opened it up, and we, and we did that for six months. And I said, all right, I want you to grab one other student and bring them alongside of us. And then eventually you're going to lead this thing. So we started off with, with three of us, and then it grew, and then we allowed them to then go and to begin to say, hey, do you know lost people? Let's start bringing them part of this. But we met, and was it, was it tough? Yes. It was tough to get up at 6 a.m. and to go meet with teenagers at 7 a.m. It was tough for teenagers to meet me at 7 a.m. And sometimes <laughs> they showed up late, or not at all, but... It's okay because we met and we, we were talking through the Bible and we, we were discipling them and, and they were able to then grow spiritually because we took the, the belief that we're called to make fishers of men and we be, began to actually put feet to it and we began to do it. This past year we said, hey, let's open it up and let's have guys and girls meet and we'll just have, we'll meet at Bojangles once a month and we'll just have, come in there and we'll just meet and we'll have a Bible study and we'll just talk. Our job is not to stop at sharing the gospel. Our job is to work through that and make disciples and allow other people to grow in the Christian walk. Each of you probably know names of people who developed and discipled you. Who did not say, hey, great job, you're saved, and walked off, right? You know of people who invested in you. Maybe it was Sunday school teachers. Maybe it was pastors. 
Maybe it was just someone else who was just one step ahead of you in the Christian walk, and they brought you alongside of them. It is great to go through an evangelism series, but it's bad to go through an evangelism series and do nothing about it. And so I just, I have one final question for you this morning. Are you a fisher of men? Are you a fisher of men? Jesus called his disciples at the beginning of his journey, as I stated in Matthew 4. And they dropped everything to follow him. Are we willing to drop everything and go through the Christian journey and bring others alongside of us so that we can disciple them and be fishers of men. Let's pray. Lord, I, I come to you right now. I'm thankful for the moment that you get to share the word. But now it's time for us to apply the word. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, over this moment we're about to go into, this moment of, of response, this moment of invitation, whatever we want to call it, Lord, we come before you right now and we say move in this place. We say move. Lord, I pray right now that you'll lay names on our hearts and our minds. I pray that you would give us boldness to step out of our comfort zone, out of our simple life, and to step out and to live for you and make disciples. Jesus, we know that all authority in heaven and earth was given to you. And now you're telling us to go and make disciples, to baptize them, and to also to teach them all that you've commanded, all that you've spoken into existence. I pray as we go to this moment of response, Lord, that you would just give us boldness to come and to lay down names at the altar. I pray that you would give us boldness to go up to someone in our congregation and say, hey, can I disciple you? Hey, or I need to be discipled. But we pray in this moment of response that you would just speak to us. We just pray this in your name. Amen. In a moment, we're going to stand up and we're going to have a moment of response. But I just want to say this to you before we do that. This moment of response, don't check out. But allow God to speak to you. Maybe God is telling you to go and make disciples. Maybe God laid someone on your heart that you need to talk to about helping them in their Christian walk journey. And maybe that in this time, this morning, that you heard the gospel message that, that Jesus came into this world, the Son of God, he took on flesh took on flesh. God took on flesh through Jesus Christ, and he, he went on the cross. He, he lived his life on this earth, though, for, for three years, perfect, never once sinned, 
He was the, a blameless. And he went and he died on the cross. On that cross is not, the, the cross is, is, the cross was bad. But what the horrible thing about the cross is, is that on the cross, is that Jesus took on your sins and my sins. On that cross, all the sins of this world, the past, present, and future, of all the sins of all people, went on Jesus' shoulders in that moment, and he conquered sin, he conquered death, and he resurrected three days later. So that we can have a bridge to get back to the Father. And it's our responsibility to tell other people about who Jesus Christ is. Maybe Jesus and God spoke to you this morning to your heart. And I just want to say that if, if you need to talk to a pastor, to one of our deacons, we're going to be here for you. But however God is speaking to you right now, I want to ask you to have boldness and to respond during this time of invitation. So let's go ahead and stand up. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.